We'll check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Maniacal Music Musings. And holy fuck, did I miss saying that, Batman. I am your lovable host, as always, Jeremy. Glad to be back like dynamite bursting on the scene today. We're taking this shit to the hilt today. Sorry, ladies. So time for you to bite the bullet while you lay there dark style beneath the piano. And come on, lift up your skirt a little more. Show your world to me. But my co-host, as always, mm, he's a special man. He'll do nobody's dirty business, but you could find him at the graveyard singing his angel song, looking for a warm place to lay. He'll tell you that you make him lose his mind. The day the voices left him, he didn't know what to do anymore. It was too much. But these days, he found his old lady and he said, crash into me. I got so much to say. But first, let's go do this two-step and drive in, drive out, because I'm the proudest monkey you'll ever meet. Chancy motherfucking Grave! Hi. Got him! <laughs> got him! <laughs> first, first one back. It's an Bring awful it lot in. of buildup for a high. That's, that's the point. He's like, you know, he lays this whole thing out and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not going to come up with some, you know, over the top grandiose thing. So I figured the best way to do it is just completely let it all down with a hi. It really is the best thing ever. And then next thing you know, it's just, it turned into a thing. I mean, the first time I did it, we didn't even have planned and there was a thing we talked about. It was just, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. It works. And echo. But so yeah, I mean it works, it works. And that link is in the private chat if you want to use it, Jay. But but yes, your musers are back after a little bit over a month delay from our regularly scheduled episodes. But luckily we had some in the backlog for our listeners. And we are more than happy back with someone who is literally the person I've talked to the longest to get into one of my podcasts. That is Jay Franze. And I might just fuck that up. I don't think so, but I might have. Yeah, you, you, know, you messed. You totally messed it up. Thanks, Nancy. <laughs> as a guy, as as a guy who's used to getting his name messed up, I had to say something. Jay is a producer. More more French than normal. That's all it was. Hey, yeah, I, yeah. I am on improv podcast a lot for my accent, so thank you. But <laughs> the voice you're hearing, folks, is Jay. He's a producer, an engineer, and he's the host of Franze and Friends podcast. Which we're gonna let him get to that at the end. Shut up, Jansen. <laughs> but 
first, the first thing we'll say is, how you doing tonight, Jay? I'm doing very good, sir. How are you? Battling the end of a COVID battle, but I, I fought worse battles in the last month and a half, so I'll live. But And we won't get into those battles because we don't tell war stories. But, Jay, so you're a producer and engineer, but what exactly do you do in the music business all around, basically? Well, um, work out of Nashville primarily, and I spent the past 20 of my 30 years in Nashville. We produce country records and rock records for bands that are in and out of Nashville, primarily the country artists that you would typically hear on the radio. And um, over the past five or so years, I've been working primarily with just a uh, production company out of Nashville, and I do all their demo work for them and mix their anything that they consider important enough to try to sell. Nice. Nice. Curious, though, because we just had another musician professional out of Nashville on, well, before we took our break, but his episode dropped, just dropped. He's from UMC, Nash, UMC Nashville, uh, Underground Music Collaborative, I think it's called. I don't know if yeah, you've no, heard of them. Never heard of it. I, they, just, they just changed to be EMC. Uh, they some other company I think like combined with them, but uh, yeah, I don't know, that's you know. pretty cool. Nashville is a great community. the The people that work there are great. You know, a lot of great people, a lot of you know, interesting people, good friends. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, small world. You never know who knows who. <laughs> I find that all the time in these podcasts that people know people I don't even think they would. But all right, well. Why don't you tell us what album you wanted to bring to the show, Jay, and why you wanted to bring it? And yes, I know you gave me a selection of like five or six to choose from, and but you said you put them in the order of importance of, wh- of why you, of what you wanted to bring. So I picked the top one, of course. Sure. No, I um, chose an artist named Maddie McCree. The reason I chose him is I had a chance to work with him on a handful of different occasions, and he's just was an amazing guy, great guy. He writes some great music. He's got a really good voice. And his project was something that we did in Nashville. It was recorded at Master Phonics Studio 6, which is right on Music Row. And we got a chance to go in with some of the best musicians in the world. And, I mean, I just loved everything about the project. There's not a thing about it I didn't like. Yeah, right. And I met well, my well, wife that way, too. So. Oh, shit. Okay. That, that's a good reason. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> If, if, if she if she's watching, yes, it's a good reason, sure. And that's, no, um, <laughs> that's what I was going. My wife for, is but... um, a photographer and a graphic artist, and when I met her, I was working for a production company, and she was doing all of their photos and artwork, and I went ahead and met her when I was doing production. Hmm. Almost the music Kevin Smith story, kind of. At least in that part, but but. He married a newspaper reporter, kind of the same thing. I mean, arts meets media kind of thing. It's kind of, it's kind of the same, only different. Yeah, similar yet different. And once again, <laughs> me, me, me and Chancey's just course of this just goes so well together. But <laughs> It's called chemistry. Yes. Uh, so, and what's the name of the album you brought? I don't remember if you said it or not. And closer to more.
course, yeah, of course, okay, yeah, that, yeah, I believe that's the final song on this album as well. Well, Chancy, I'm gonna let you go first. What did you think of the album that Jay brought? You know, honestly, I've, I, country's not necessarily my favorite genre. I, I do respect a lot of the old stuff. Can't go wrong with all the old stuff. Um, the newer stuff's kind of lost me. This one kind of didn't as much, so I kind of liked that element. I definitely liked a bit more of the uh, the the grabby nature of the of the music, like the guitar, how that worked out. Like you said, the guy's got a great voice, so that's also you know that's also a, a massive bonus in the situation. I mean, I, I I was able to listen to it numerous times without really being upset that I had to do so. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I don't have anything That's bad to say about it. That's the goes for. Right? Exactly, you know? <laughs> I, um, you know, I felt like I had to struggle more with, you know, another album on this list, but we'll get to that one here in a little bit. Oh, but, man. uh... <laughs> you can talk about going out that way? Come on, man. Uh, you know, we'll, be, we'll see. We'll be surprised about it, how it turns out. No, I, I definitely enjoyed it, though, because it was, uh... It was like a palate cleanser, so to speak. Mm. Well, I mean, I agree with everything Chance said in most parts. I mean, the guitar work was amazing on the CD. I think guitar work was very well done. Drums seem to be lacking a little, I would say. I mean, there could have been a lot more drum hitting on there. Like just maybe some drum solos thrown in. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they say the drummers, like the least important part of the band always, so I don't know. That, that's the, the the bassist. It's the, it's the bassist is the least important person of the band. Well, don't all the fat chicks go to the drummer? No, no. That's not the story <laughs> I've heard. But and I was a drummer, so huh. But I mean, go ahead, Chancy. You got something on the tip of your tongue? I can see it in your face. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> nope. My mama taught me better than that. I'm not doing it. No, I'm not going to do it. Well, the vo- I mean, his voice is definitely great. I think the lyrics could have been written a little better maybe on some of the songs because some of these songs, I'm like, I could write these lyrics and then people would laugh at them. <laughs> so, I mean... I don't well, we would laugh because voice. we know you. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't have the voice, I was going to say. Fuck you, Chancy. But no, don't no, don't, no, don't church it up. We know you. That's why we laugh. It's not about the quality. It's about the fact that we know you. And we're like, Jeremy, come on. Who'd you pay? You didn't write this. <laughs> you've, read, you've read my raps, motherfucker. You've heard me. <laughs> that's why, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly my point. <laughs> anyway, I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing I kind of got out of it was like the lyrics were a little weak at some points. I mean, some of the songs I could definitely dig with. Some of the songs I'm just like, no, no. I mean, to me, the whole thing reminded me of, let's take Buck Cherry and see what he's like when he sounds country. What are you talking about? This is why I need a support group, man. For real. I thought you were in therapy. I am in therapy. Now I'm going twice a month because of you. But I'm just saying, like, you, like, I don't understand how you make these comparisons that are just massive butchery. Like, if anything I was ever going to say would be like, this kid would have made a boatload of money in the early 90s because it was almost kind of like that, uh, 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 
Hootie and the Blowfish vein, a bit more rocky, a bit more country, but still yeah, in that from vein. The same tone. See, from the same no, tone. that's yeah. pretty cool. Nashville, <laughs> but a lot of people from Nashville, but. Well, I no, mean, they're both from the Carolinas. They're both from ah, South Carolina, I think it was. And ah, they wow. both grew up in the same scene and played together at the same bars. See, that's strange. I, I definitely picked that up by ear, though. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that's the fact. I'm going to get to that. I'm still going to get to that. <laughs> And Facebook user, you gotta let the StreamYard uh, use your profile. Otherwise, I don't know who you are. So, Vito, I'm guessing. But uh, I would guess so as well. But yeah, I mean, uh, and yeah, I got Buck Cherry from the boys. That's where I got Buck Cherry from. Is the guy's voice reminds me of the Buck Cherry a little bit. I, like I still Buck don't. Cherry, I, I don't get where you pick that up, though. I mean, nothing wrong with you liking Buck Cherry. It's just I don't get the reference hey. personally. Buck Cherry's version of Too Drunk to Fuck is amazing, and so is Cream. But okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to bring that CD now to freaking piss you off someday. But I still have my nuclear. I still have my nuclear option, dude. It's fine. <laughs> you, you, you've already done fucking Coltrane. Uh, fucking nope. That you, it's Sunhouse. It's Sunhouse. 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 Not Coltrane. Sunhouse. Whatever Jesus, man. They both suck. But. You already did Sunhouse, and you and you and you already did freaking. I wrestled a bear once, so you you're at nuclear. You? Also. No, I'm not. I really am not, though. That's the best part. <laughs> and, and, and the scary part is he's probably correct on that. But either am I, Chancy? I have many nuclear options for you. Cottonmouth Kings has about 18 more albums. That's fine. <laughs> I'll I'll be able to tolerate those. This one I don't. I couldn't even listen to mine. So I mean, that's fine. That's okay though. <laughs> so jay what were your top five choices off your own album um i think the second song the angel song is probably my favorite i like that one it's got a a story to it that is a little deeper than most people would probably think it's a you know about it's autobiographical where he talks about walking down the the shoreline of South Carolina and he's just drunk and trying to make his way back and has a run in with the law and that type of stuff. And there's even a reference to, to ice cube in in I think the second or third, third verse. So I like that song a lot. Any other ones or is that just, Oh yeah, no, I've got plenty of other ones closer to more of the title track. Um, that one to me, I call it the stalker song because he talks about standing outside somebody's window. And, but I just like the feel of the song. Um, the piano player on that was Charlie Judge, and he just came in and knocked out the piano on that in one take. And I just really enjoy the feel of the song, the, the story behind the song. It just it felt different than the rest of the album to me. So there was a couple of songs that kind of stood out to being a little bit different. The other one was You Lose My Mind also had a slightly different feel than the rest of the album, a little bit more piano-centric than guitar. Um, but also, like, on the Angel song, you mentioned the guitar player. That was Jim Cristaldi, one of my favorite guitar players in the world. And when he came in and just he plays these parts, even on the Angel song, the solo's not all that long. It's only, you know, maybe four to eight measures long. And he just tears it up and just comes up with something unique. It's not something you would typically hear, especially in Nashville. 
Nashville has a tendency of playing everything safe, and he didn't play it safe. He came in and really stretched the boundaries of what could be done in Nashville. So I like those things. Um, Stars, the ballad on there, you know, that was my my wife's favorite song off that album. I think it was our, our wedding song, <coughs> only because that's the album we met on. Makes sense. Uh, I mean... I gotta re-listen to that freaking uh, closer closer to me song because I did not pick up the stalker part at all, so I gotta re-listen to that. But I listened to that part while driving, <laughs> so that's probably probably. He talks about standing outside the the girl's window with a you know strange smile on his face, looking up at the window as if it was her face, and feeling sorry for the guy that she's currently with. So I mean, it it was kind of humorous to me. Oh, okay, I kind of pick up on the person you're with now element of it. I did pick up on that, but. All right. I, see, I thought it was just like a Jay Love song. I didn't think it was. It went that far. But okay, my, my Juggalo hairs are standing on end, so I definitely check it out. <laughs> and then but. the last one there, the song Warm. I like that. Just the feel of the song, it, it feels good. And it has a, a low harmony instead of a high harmony. So when it goes in the chorus, the Jim Cristaldi, the guy that plays guitar, sang the harmony on it. And he just brought it down beneath the lead vocal instead of above. So it just gave it a different feel, gave it a little bit more of a, you know, angrier feel, I guess, to it. Yeah, well, you actually had two of mine in your top five. Chancey, what were your top five, though? He had four out of my five. Yeah. Uh, number five was uh, You Lose My Mind. Uh, number four was Stars. Uh, number three was Closer to More. Uh, number two was uh, the Angel Song, and uh, number one was the Day the Voices Left. That's a special song within itself. That's the song that we met on. He came in to record that individually. It was recorded as a single, and it was released as a single. And then, because of the traction it got and the attention it got, it gave him the ability to come in and record the rest of the album. Nice. Oh, nice. Well, actually, that's, that kind of ties in then to my top five. But actually, before I do my top five, why has he only put out one, one album? That's my question. Because that album came out like, um, what was it, 10, 11 years ago now? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, he does have a second album out that we did as well. We did that one in Nashville as well, but it was done slightly different. A uh, different group of musicians. And it's really good, too. It, um, I, I enjoy it. I wrote one of the songs on the album. So I kind of have a, a stake in the game on that album. And it's great. I love it. My wife did the photography. She did the graphic design on that one as well. So a lot of connections there. I just like the the rawness of this first album because it was be you know it was his first album and it you know he went in the the studio. He sang all those songs. He only sang through them two times, and so there was no trickery. There was no you know tuning or fixing or doing any of the stuff that people do in Nashville the guitar player and the, music, and the piano player and drums. And they were all really great guys and really great musicians, but they came in and knocked it out quickly because there was no budget. There was a very low budget for that first album. And it wasn't until the traction of the first album where they could actually afford to do a second album. Then the second album is more polished. It's more of your traditional sounding Nashville stuff, a little, a little bit oh, classier. Well, well, the reason I asked that even because the second album must not be on Spotify. 
It's not for whatever reason, I, and I don't know why. I wish it was because, like I said, I wrote one of the songs on it. It'd be nice to have it on there. Huh. Interesting. Well, I don't know why the first one would be, but the second one wouldn't. If anything, I would expect the second one to be and the first one not to be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he changed his name or whoever, if he signed to a label or whatever, they don't have a deal with Spotify or something. I don't know. Politics and music, I have no part in. <laughs> yeah, you don't want any. It's, oh, it's not fun true, at all. Truer word in Urban Zed. But my number five was actually the day the voices left. So that's why I said it tied in because that was a really good song. Seems to be. A I almost. I yeah. I mean. I mean. I almost had. I almost had a feeling that it was gonna be like about someone overcoming mental health disorders, but I guess kind of like what the title of the song brought, gave me an idea of. But then when I got to it, I'm like, okay, not what it's about, but still good, it's still good. My number four was 115 because the guitar in that in the beginning of that song yeah. is, banging, is banging. That's why it's the first song on the album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you need you need a banger for an opener. But number three is you lose my mind because that song is. I like what it's saying. I like what it's saying. I mean, the lyrics are on Spotify, but I can understand his lyrics for the most part, at least. It's got a cool number. To it. Yeah. Number two was warm because I, I love that song. But I mean, the one lyric, can you be warm without my love? Like that kind of had me like laughing almost because it's like, that is so cheesy. <laughs> it's so freaking cheesy. Like, can you be warm without my love? Like it's, <laughs> Like it, it makes me think of freaking Kirk Van Hooten song. Can I borrow a feeling? Like that's what, that's what it brought to my mind. But I I only laugh because when we were recording that album, we're getting grief because the lyrics were outside of the realm of Nashville. And then when you're outside of the world of Nashville, people are like, oh, those are very Nashville-ish. And it, I mean, that's <laughs> I I grew up in Boston. I did all my recording up in Boston, New York, before I moved to Nashville. And people in Nashville said, oh, you're, you're too New York for us. You're too rockish for us. And people in, you know, New York say, oh, you're too country for us. It's just crazy that the duality between the two. Of course. I mean, and yeah, we don't, out, out here in the East, we don't do, I mean, watch it. That's not true. A lot of people do country out here. <laughs> Everybody in my family except me likes country. So yeah, that's, I can only do certain country songs i can't I even do, get like, into it till i moved to nashville well yeah when you're immersed in that thing you won't have a choice really it's kind of like you're brought into the cult and fits on the kool-aid and you're just like all right i have to go along with it now but i will say too that it, they're the best musicians i've ever ever been around in my life oh i, I respect i respect their skill no, no doubt about that yeah i mean it, they don't play what you want to hear but yeah oh but exactly to be i mean fair, I... they'll play whatever you tell them to Oh, I mean, a musician needs money as much as anybody else. But number one for me was the Angel song. Because that, I matched up with you in that, Jay Perfectly. Because Angel, the Angel song was, like, beautiful. Like, And that's, I think that's where I kind of came into Buck Sherry, too, was that song. Because it sounded sound like lyrics he would write and sing. Cause, like, yeah, I really all, like that all song. Of, all of his, all of Buck Sherry's music is about heartbreak and, like, women he's lost and stuff. Or just pure sex. And the heartbreak ones, that reminds me of that. Yeah, basically. But the heartbreak one's what reminds me of that song. Yeah, that song to me, I, I love it. I mean, and I, I didn't really get it till I sat down with him in the studio and talked about it. I mean, to hear the true story behind the song, what it was really all about, and what he truly went through. I mean, he was going through that. So 
to me, it at first listen to the album, or even when we were in the studio, it wasn't my favorite song at that time. But from multiple replays, it's become my favorite on the album. And also, too, if you if you go back and catch that reference to, I think it's Ice Cube. But if you catch that reference, there's a little um, album scratch in there and talks about him. It's it's kind of a cool little thing that was slid in there. I'll have to go back and listen for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly can't say any of the songs on that album like got put in my like songs list, but I definitely go back and check out a few of them now because details about the story behind them always helps. And I really couldn't find anything on the artist like online. Like I Googled them even, and all I had was like different sites that had a CD. Like they didn't really like have yeah. bio info or anything. So kind of yeah, hard to find. It's out crazy about. to me. He he played at um, Foxborough Stadium. I mean, that we drove up there to go to Foxborough. I mean, oh, really? he had he had everything. I mean, everything at the tip of his fingers, and just didn't do anything with it, or at least not as much as he should have. Yeah, well, if I, if you count the amount of times that happened in the music industry, and you had nickel for every time, you're pretty rich. So, but I, I was happy going up to Foxborough. That was a, a cool experience to be backstage there and to go around. Oh, I'm and sure. Everybody and I, I mean, I that's the expansion center. Gillette isn't it? at the time. Yeah, it was that's the. Gillette. Is that the that's the that's the expansion center next door, right? Or was it actually at the stadium? It was at the stadium. It was at the okay. the football stadium. Okay, I mean, yeah, I've, I've been to Gillette years ago for games and whatnot, but I've never been there for a concert. I've been to the Xfinity Center down the road, but yeah, all right. it was cool. Cool experience. Well, let's get a little palate cleanser here and go with Chanty's album next, I think. So, as I normally do, whenever I get the, uh, the choices between the guest and, and Jeremy... I will go to my like songs list and I hit random until I find something that falls into the vein of either the guest or Jeremy or sometimes even both. And I landed on probably like after the fourth shuffle, uh, The Devil Makes Three with their debut album. But thank you, Jack Daniels. Oh, number seven. Tennessee whiskey got me drinking in heaven and I. Angels start to look good to me. They're gonna have to deport me to the fiery deep. Thank you, Jack Daniels. Oh, number seven. Tennessee whiskey got me drinking in heaven. And I know I can't stay here too long. Cause I can't go a week without doing. And I actually saw this band live, which is what got my attention for them in the first place. And it was a good show. I mean, I... It was kind of my, I have a friend of mine that's kind of in a, in a bluegrass band. So it was kind of one of those things that kind of got me into the thing a little bit. So I was able to give it a bit more of a try. But then seeing them live like that, it really sold it for me. So I was like, you know what? It, 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 you know what? I'm not going to try any harder to find something that matches more perfect. This is good. I'm going to go with this one and we're going to see where it lands. I'm glad you didn't try any harder because I've never heard of it before and I actually liked it. So I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is time for your review of Chanty's album, Jay. So, I mean, Oh, uh, all right then. Um, like I said, I've never heard it before. Uh, my first time, the name sounded vaguely familiar, but I wouldn't have been able to pick him out of a crowd at all. 
the album, the the very first track, I was like, oh, this is different. And I I didn't expect the entire album to be like that, and it was. So, but it had different feels to it, and it reminded me different tracks reminded me of different artists here or there. But overall, it was pretty unique. I mean, I live in Kentucky right now, just north of Nash, the Nashville area, and there's a lot of bluegrass here. And I wasn't expecting it to be as much of a bluegrass album as it actually is. It's got that cross between bluegrass and folk and rock, and it kind of does yep. a good blend. I didn't expect it not to have drums until I realized it was more of a bluegrass feel than you know a, a rock feel, but... I think some of the songs and the the lyrics and the songs were a little bit more uh, aggressive than your typical bluegrass song. And yep. I think that made it pretty cool to me. And I mean, there was a few, few artists, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Howell. He's a blues artist. Um, he's out of Louisiana. And oh, okay. A, I've, the name's familiar. Yeah, he's got a bunch of great blues albums out. Um, he's just a great singer and he's very funny as well. But one of the songs on the album reminded me of him. And another one, I forget who it was. I made a note of it somewhere. Oh, uh, what's the name of the artist? I'll think of it in a minute. But then one of the, oh, Ken Eleven. And remind me of Ken Eleven, who is kind of a folksy singer, but he's an, an aggressive folksy singer. So he's got a song called Nightmares and Cigarettes that I really, really like. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, no, I thought overall it was a great addition and I liked it enough to talk to my wife about it. I played it for my daughter today, so it was pretty cool. I, nice. I really it. Nice. Oh, Thank you. Chance a lot. Our first episode back. And this is what you give me. This is what yep. you give me. And I actually couldn't be happier. It was actually rather enjoyable. I, I mean, I didn't ask for a Dropkick Murphy's Gone Freaking Folk, but that's kind of what I got. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, honestly, the way, the way their songs go together and the way that their lyrics and just like the way their music goes back and forth, it reminds me of Dropkick Murphy's a lot. And, but very that's folk. folky. Uh, I mean, they, okay. Folk's the wrong world. Okay. Hillbilly Folk. There you go. Hillbilly Folk. I mean, I kind of felt like I should be drinking a bottle of moonshine while I'm listening to this album. But I, I, I mean, resembles it, that remark. And honestly, like the fact that it came out in 2002 kind of shocked me. I'm like, this sounds like it should have came out in like the 60s or 70s. Like, that's yeah, kind of like, feel like Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't think it, should be, it was that new even. I thought it was like 60s or 70s when I first started hearing some of like snippets of songs. And I was like, and I looked at the date, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I guess. I mean, the double mix three, that's one of my favorite, like, phrases that is you, I mean, Marilyn Manson has a good song with that in it, so, which I, I if I knew you were bringing this to you, actually, I might have brought that just for shits and giggles, but totally, <laughs> totally would have been a genre bust, but still, <laughs> I would have went with it, but yeah, overall, I I actually enjoyed it, and uh, I got two honorable mentions on, so I definitely enjoyed it, like, enough to like it, and actually consider it, and it, yeah, it was just, it's different. I don't know if I actually heard any of the songs on it or not. I don't think I did because it's just not something I see myself driving down the road listening to. I mean, I don't live in no no urban areas anymore, but if I did, I would definitely roll my windows up and listen to that. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's when you got to switch over to freaking hops and blast it. But 
But yeah, I enjoyed it somewhat. Uh, but Chancey, what were your top five of your now? Uh, so number five for me was the plank, and then uh, number four was to the hilt. Uh, number three was nobody's dirty business. Uh, number two is graveyard. I love the cadence on that. Just it's great. It just mm-hmm. it's such a good cadence. Yeah. And number one for me was actually like the first song of theirs that I ever heard, and it just hooked me instantaneously. And that was old number seven. Mm-hmm. That's the one okay. that reminded me of Ken Eleven. You just, oh yeah, you, nice. You just named like four of my top five, but yeah, okay. I mean, nice. Well, you know. <laughs> All right. What were your top five, Jay? All right. Forgive me. I'm gonna have to look at notes because not. As oh, you're good, man. Is, is oh, Ch- Ch- Chancey's notepad's huge. Yeah, I got a, I got, a, I got a whole notebook that covers every, every episode that we do. Yeah. Someday we'll get it all. Filled uh, one of these today. Someday we'll nice. get it all. Someday we'll get it all nice and what do you call it? Uh, plastic, plastic up and. Hanging on the walls in our museum, Chancy. There you go. Laminated. Shadow bone. Laminated. That's the word I couldn't think of. Thank you. All right. My number five was 10 feet tall. I nice. The bass line. Yeah. It kind of had a, a country feel to the bass. The voice was much deeper than typical. And then it had a, a second vocal come in that carried the traditional, um, the traditional note that would be in that song. So it was a little bit different because of that. I did, it, I did enjoy it, and I put that one as number five. Number four, I put Nobody's Dirty Business. It, to me, it had a. It started off with a 50s vibe, and it had an upright bass that was, I mean, as a folk tune, a lot of it's got upright bass, but it was yep. really noticeable that it was an upright bass, kind of gave it a different mm-hmm. feel to it. Had flat wound strings, which kind of give that rubbery sound to it. So I, I enjoyed the feel of the song. Um, my number three was your old number seven. Nice. So I, I did like that. Like I said, it reminded me of Ken 11, which I enjoy Ken 11, so that was good. It was a little sloppier and a little bit looser than the the rest of the album kind of kind of flowed a little bit. The folk music in general kind of flows. They don't play to a click track. So mm-hmm. the tempo speeds up, slows down, speeds up, slows down. And I, I like the live feel of music like that, especially being out of Nashville. Music's not like that. And even rock music these days is played to a click track and everything's fixed and computerized till it's, you know, just the life is sucked out of it. So um, then my number two was for my family. I, I enjoyed a handful of things about it. The story was cool. I, I did like that part. It was one of the ones that the story was a little bit more pronounced, a little bit more of a commercial feel to the story. But I liked the effects in the song, the use of reverb, the use of delays in there. It had a more traditional feel to it. And then my number one was, I believe, your number five, and that's The Plank. I think nice. Nice. A great song um, to open with, had a great beat, had, it hooked me in. I mean, it, that's the one where I, when I first heard it, I'm like, I don't know what's going to be coming next after this song, but I enjoyed the first song. And then, side note, it kind of let me down for the second song. The second song to me wasn't as good as the first one. Um, I think the first one really hooked me and grabbed me, and I was anticipating the second song to be just as powerful, and, and it wasn't. But then the third song, which was 10 Feet Tall, brought me back into it again. And I feel like I had an every other song feel to the album where I, I liked all of them, but every other one was really strong to me. So that's my yeah, top right. five. 
Nice. And hi, random Facebook user. Please give us your permission and use your profile, folks. I'll be back <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, actually. I didn't, at 10 feet tall, I didn't put him on with Steven, but I did like that song to some degree. Like it was just, it was, as a tall guy, I kind of respect that song. But, <laughs> <laughs> but as I said, I had two normal mentions for this CD. And first normal mention was Beneath the Piano, just something about it, the way it flew. Number six was The Bullet, because I like any song that has to do with that type of topic. And Oh, hey, what's going on, Shannon? Sorry, I didn't realize it was you. But number five was To the Hilt, because the ironicness of that name just had me laughing. But number four was Dynamite, because that song was banging. Like, the whole yeah. flow in that, that song is freaking banging. That was my honorable mention. Uh and number three was all number seven because you got to love a song dedicated to JD. Come on now. Who doesn't? Especially in Nashville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah, I didn't have the plank on my list either, but I got to say, the plank reminded me of like an Alestorm song, Chancy. Hmm. Interesting. Alestorm's one of my favorite bands. Oh, no. I should have fucking brought Alestorm. I didn't even think of them for this. Oh. I just want to point out, it was on the list of CDs I sent you, sir. Was it? I totally overlooked that then. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. No, I saw no no. Ale storm, not hail storm. No H. Really? No we're H splitting H- we're splitting hairs here. I didn't know there well, was an ale not... storm. Yeah, ale, yeah, yeah. Ale, ale storm with no H is a pirate metal band. Okay. It's good, it's I take kinda, it. It's uh, I like them. I mean, I wouldn't say every song they do is amazing, but I like. Sorry, right, I'm gonna make note of it. I'll check it out. Their C- their one CD I brought on this, um, the one with uh, Mexico on it, like that CD is amazing. I think it, I think it actually is just called Alestorm. I think it's, I think it was their self titled album, but I could be wrong. Right. Other I other like other I still think they were a good yeah. good choice. I'll just say, oh yeah, I mean Hailstorm is Lizzie Hale, of course it's freaking good, and she's she's gorgeous. But oh, she's gorgeous. She's a super nice person. She lives in Nashville. I had a chance to work with her a couple of times. Very nice. Nice. And number two was Nobody's Dirty Business because I like I like the message in that song. And kind of ties in because my number one is Graveyard because haunt the haunt. I love the haunting ass lyrics in that song. It reminds me a lot of the music I like. And I love the freaking line leaning on my shovel in this graveyard of dreams. Like that's poetic as shit to me. So I yeah. Like, Graveyard was definitely the best song on the album, and I freaking fell in love with that song. Actually, I might have hearted that song. I might have. If I didn't, I really had to go back and heart it. That's, I was listening to it at work in between calls, and I just didn't think to heart it at the same time. But then again, I might have. I don't freaking remember. It was a busy day. But so that's why I thought of your CD chance. Like I said, it was not bad. It was not bad. I've been more, far more disappointed by you on other shit. So you know how it goes. But you just notice some of the finger picking in the album was the ones that were really fast got a little sloppy. I don't know if you you felt that at all to me, but I felt yeah, like I I definitely I definitely picked up on the, some of the sloppy nature. I I feel like that's supposed to be there though for that type of music. Yeah, no, no. exactly. I, I, I believe. I believe Sometimes, it, I mean, it really depends. Yeah. Yeah, movement and tempo, yes. Sloppy and precision, not necessarily. But right. I really enjoyed the album as a whole. So, and I enjoyed the uh, flaws in the album too. 
There's a bad note or two in there and still worked out. Well, I like that they kept it in there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my guess is they just recorded it down live. Yeah, that yeah, that's probably right. They do. I mean, it, when I saw them live, it sounded basically the same. So, yeah, I would definitely definitely buy that for sure. Bluegrass oh. is like that a lot. They When they play, they play together and they play live. And then whatever gets down is what's down. Oh, it makes sense. But let's go in a different direction completely. And we'll we'll finish the show back with the with an encore of my album, which funny enough, I for a long time I've been threatening Chancey with this album. And when I heard your CD, I just couldn't help but think, I really don't know what that I literally looked through like seven screenshots I have from my old, old iTunes account of all the artists I listen to. And I'm like looking through like, no, none of these are matching up in my head. And then I got to this artist and I was like, you know what? This artist kind of does match it in some ways. Some of the same from the, from the vocals is mainly where I got it. Cause I listened to snippets of your different songs on your album just to get a quick feel for a lot of them. And sometimes that can be all you need. Sometimes that kind of, fucks you over in the long run as Chansey found out with a certain band called Bass Nectar but <laughs> which if folks listen to the new newest episode that's out in the podcatchers they'll hear what I'm talking about but or maybe they won't I don't know depends if you listen to it and you know what happened in it but uh, I mean I decided to bring the long faded album that was supposed to come on this show a long time ago as a I have a tribute to my father which I'll get to in a second but the CD I brought was Dave Matthews Band's Crash album. Sweet like And I am not a Dave Matthews Band fan by any fucking means. I am a fan of this album because this album my dad had in his car in his car sale shop and it used to play through the rotation and get to the CD and play the whole CD through pretty much on almost at least every other day basis. So I heard this album a lot growing up and heard a lot of things in it that an eight, nine-year-old shouldn't probably hear, but I heard it's a young boy's dream, you know, but I listened to this album a lot and my dad loved it. I, I didn't hear it in this version, but on the, on the actual CD version he had at the end of one of the songs, you could hear Dave Matthews actually like laughing and he just says like, that was the shit. Like, and I didn't hear it in any of the versions I listened to on Spotify though. So I'm like, I don't know if they took it out like in, when they put it on digital or not, because he now is more popular, but 96 when he put out this album he wasn't exactly the college band like he wasn't like the college frat boy band that he became in the early 2000s also from the carolinas right i off the top of my head i have no freaking clue i never really looked that much into dave matthews just because i i mean it's funny enough it's funny enough on spotify that the title song from this cd is still his number one song so that tells you something but I mean, it just I never can get into his newer stuff where he, he plays for college students now, basically. I couldn't get into it. It just 
it, this CD though, it just it's nostalgia and it's just I think it's a great CD. I mean, it's jazz rock combo and it's freaking amazing. Like his saxophone player is freaking incredible. If you see him in like the music videos they did for this CD, like some of the stuff he does is unbelievable. And he looks like a cool motherfucker to hang out with and smoke a joint with. But just the band and everything is from the Carolinas, but he's from South Africa. Oh well, that okay. That explains the accent a little bit. Okay, I never knew that. But I mean, his voice is unique, and that's another reason I love him is because that that freaking his voice on this CD at least <laughs> is just the way he goes back and forth is just amazing. So that's, I mean, to me, it's kind of a tribute to my dad to bring it, but it also was one of the only things I could think of to match up with the band I chose for you to bring, basically. But, uh, well, Jay, what did you think of Dave Matthews' crash? I have mixed feelings about Dave Matthews. Um, had a chance to work on two of his projects, so familiar with him, familiar with the, the projects. Um, one of them was live at Fenway, Fenway Park. So oh, okay. Terrible. Being a Bostonian, that was pretty cool for me. Um, I, when he first came out, I, I really enjoyed the different feel of his music. But then, as it, time went on, everything was very similar, and it didn't really have too much variety to me. And I kind of it kind of grew old after a while. But I think see when we're that's what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying. When, when, like my feelings for him. I think overall, by far, it's the most talented. You know, I mean, these guys are incredibly talented. They play as tight as can be. Their signature, time signature changes in the songs are are incredible. Their musicianship is incredible. The engineering, the production, the tonal quality of each sound, is the clarity of everything. Everything is just pristine. It just comes down to whether or not you like the songs and... I like, I like a lot of them. I just don't like all of them, so I wouldn't consider myself to be a big, huge fan. But I do like them. Um, and overall, I think as far as lyric lyrics go, I think he's got a really smooth, easy to listen to voice. Um, however, a lot of the words and the way he phrases words they become distorted, and I can't understand what he's saying a lot of the time. So oh, depends on he's what not song the first, he's singing. He's not the first singer you could say that about in history, though. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his... Uh, I can't think of his name. He's a 60s guy, but I can't think of his freaking name. But every time I hear his songs, it's like, you don't know what he's saying. But And Shannon says he, she feels like he's medium. He's a filler. And apparently yeah. her brother went to Berkeley in Boston. So Berkeley's awesome. But Chansey, all right, let's hear your raving review of Dave Matthews. I'm almost afraid. Hey, the guy I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, are 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 we ready? <laughs> so, <sighs> let me get. Wait a a... Oh, wait a I, I got I got to adjust my bedpan. <laughs> all right, so did not need right. I um. I am also not a fan of Dave Matthews. Not necessarily. The band is tight, like like Jay was saying. Solid band. However, my biggest problem was that I got burnt out on Dave Matthews because all my friends, you know, 
got shit housed on beer and bought fucking acoustic guitars and fucking thought that they were Dave fucking Matthews. So all we listened to for like three consecutive summers is Dave Matthews, Jack Johnson, Sublime, and uh, one other one that I can't remember because uh, I've never literally listened to it again ever since. And if I'm going to be brutally honest, you said something about Crash Into Me being his most popular song. And I'm saying that's probably not even because of Dave Matthews. It's probably because of the, the weird Arby's guy video where he's literally just there. He's like, I'm the king of the castle and you're the dirty rascal. Crash Into Me. See, I never I don't seen know. that video. So I have no idea what you got, oh, you have to watch it, dude. If you, I mean, even Jay knew. Even Jay got it. You, you got to watch the video. It's hilarious. It's literally this guy who superimposes himself into news stuff. And he's just basically the super awkward guy. And he's always like so unsure of what he's saying. So he'll say something and be like, I don't know. I don't know. And he fucking goes on these tirades. It just breaks down into this long, monstrous tirade. And then he always it finalizes it with this thing like, you know, but maybe Satan's cool and stuff. I don't know. Just weird. And uh, honestly, I got five out of it. That's basically it because I felt like I had to. Um, only like, all, honestly, only one of his songs I've ever truly enjoyed. And that's just mostly because. It was the only song that they couldn't fucking play. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for there's someone, my scathing. For someone who likes fucking Sunhouse, you can't respect the fucking music behind this CD? How dare you compare Dave Matthews to Sunhouse? Sunhouse laid Sub- down the fucking, the fucking template, man. Dave Matthews took it to another level. I, I, I think I'm having a fucking aneurysm right now. <laughs> you pulling a Freddy and having a stroke? Oh, God damn, dude. Like, how? I mean, Sunhouse and fucking Dave Matthews? No, sir. No, sir. Mm. No. They're not even, you know, ironically enough, with him being from South Africa, he's not even in the same fucking continent, let alone ballpark, parking lot, zip code, area code, none of it. None of it. No, sir. Hot garbage. Hey, Dave Matthews played in the ballpark. I don't think fucking Sunhouse did. You know what? <laughs> didn't, didn't just play in a ballpark. It was Fenway Park. True. It's Fenway. Royalty among Bostonians. Well, you know, that's fine. That's all good and fair. But I mean, New Yorkers where I'm from would love to burn it, but that's a different story. But, yeah. Well, my family's from. But that's okay. I, I was the only. I, I was the only kid. It's okay, Jay. I was the only kid in a Yankee family that was a Red Sox fan. And I went to Yankee Stadium wearing Red Sox shirts and hats. And I'm alive to tell a story. Okay. So, Yeah, my family is from New York, but my father went to school in Boston and stayed there. So I was born and raised in Boston. So my whole family is all Yankee fans. Oh, there you go. We, we got something in common. Literally, literally, my family that has lived in Massachusetts for 30 years now is still Yankee fans, even though they don't really watch games anymore because you they don't play Yankee games up here unless you're playing Boston. But yeah, I yeah, I survived Yankee Stadium in full Red Sox tire multiple times because no one wants to fuck with the 300 pound kid. Good way to lose the Red Sox came here in Cincinnati and I went to see them play the Reds. And I went in my Red Sox gear and my wife's like, You're gonna get us killed. 
I'm like, nobody's going to care. <laughs> and we went there, and there was more Red Sox shirts and hats than there were red stuff. Well, I mean, it's the Reds. But, I mean, it's it's funny because my brother actually went to a Little League game in Massachusetts in Yankee attire. And he actually – my aunt actually had some adults tell her at the time because he was a kid. They said, you better, be, you better make him go change his shirt or he might not make it out of here. <laughs> Just shows who the more aggressive ones are, but <laughs> just saying. It is a, a pretty, uh, pretty big rivalry. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, trust me. In 2004, when Red Sox finally fucking won that shit, I went to school the next day in a freaking wife in, in a freaking T-shirt, written up Red Sox shit all over it, 2004 champs and everything. Oh, the amount of dirty looks and freaking shit I got thrown at me. But and I hung that shirt in my wall for many years after until I eventually went to college. Well, I actually had four of my mentions for this CD because this CD. Of fucking good. course you <laughs> did. Of course I fucking did because this CD is a banger, dude. Like, oh, this, God. You know how many songs I heard on this shit like over the last two days? I actually listened to this twice and I, I added a song in because I could not put it in. And actually, yeah, this, this album's a banger, all right? It's like banging a teener of salt water in my fucking nutsack. Hey, I, I can make that happen. Another you know, image I didn't need. <laughs> Vito, Vito, make that happen, buddy. Make that happen, okay? I'll give you some presents when I come down to visit Jancy Fire. Fuck. <laughs> let's but, get your let's get your let's get your garbage out of the way. Get your kids out of the street before they get hit by a car. My kids are my kids are safely in bed, thank you. Well, not your literal children, Jesus, man. I don't want your <laughs> literal children to get hit by a fucking car, man. Come on. Yeah. Need to clarify, Chancey. Need to clarify. But <laughs> my first album I mentioned was Say Goodbye because I kind of like the message behind that song. Number eight is Line Our Graves because the freaking sax, and a lot of these are going to be for saxophone, but the saxophone in that song is amazing. Number seven is Proud's Monkey because the title makes me laugh and because <laughs> the lyrics in it are actually really well, good as well as like the whole, the whole song is amazing. Number six, Drive In, Drive Out, another one that's based off the music and the lyrics a little bit, but mainly the music, just the way it opens with that freaking like guitar and, and saxophone hitting, like it's perfect. Yeah, Number five is two- hits at the beginning of that song. Yeah. And when, and when his band goes hard, they go fucking hard. Like there's no in between. They're either doing a soft song or a hard song. And there's no in between for them, really. They don't do like the, we're just going to keep it at this level. No, we're going to go up or down. It's not going to stay here. Number five was Two Step because that song is just pure fire rhythm the whole way through. Like the whole way through, just fire rhythm. And it's funny because a lot of these songs I forgot about completely because I've listened to this album in full in probably 20 years. But number four was Tripping Billy's because that song makes me laugh my ass off. I don't even know what the hell Billy is supposed to be. I'm guessing it's like a South, a South African name for some. Billy Gold. I mean, I, 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 do you really think it's where he was going with that? I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Billy's is slang for something in South Africa. Now that you say from South Africa, like maybe, maybe cops. Even I don't know. But Uh I'm sticking with Billy goats. It's like tipping cows. Actually, googling that shit because I'm curious. Uh, that song had some good, some good horns in it. Drum fills. You know, oh, I, I mean, it, it, 
it did. It was kind of like a fun song. Like it almost reminded me of drop. I mean, he keep bringing this up. But it almost reminded me of Drake Murphy's in a way. Like like some of their like, <laughs> some of their like some of their like party songs. Like that's kind of what remind me of. Number three was the opener because it's a one fucking hell of an opener. So much to say. Because that's one of the three tracks I actually remembered off the album completely. <sighs> Number two, of course, is the, his most popular song of all time, Crash Into Me. Because the lyrics in that song, even for an eight-year-old, nine-year-old boy hearing it, are just, like, memorable. Like, you just remember that song, always. I could not hear about Dave Matthews for ten years, and that song was always in the back of my head. Like, and I mean, heck up your shirt a little more, show your world to me, like that. When I was eight years old, that opened my mind to a whole another idea of what could happen in this world. <laughs> and then number one, of course, is in my opinion, Dave Matthews' best song of all time. And that is too much. Because as a fat kid, that song described me in my 20s perfectly. I eat too much. I drink too much. I'm too much. And a lot of people on podcasts would probably agree with that statement. But... But I mean, and plus the music video for that song is freaking trippy as hell. Like it literally looks like the, it's supposed to be like the Blue Man Group or something in that video. Like it's just people going like these gray painted humans like doing all this weird shit while like his him and his saxophone player in the video just like dancing around while singing it. Like it's and the the sax in that song alone don't even get me started. Like the whole they're, they're in the chorus, the whole freaking rhythm of it is just oh my god! Like I can listen to that song on repeat for five hours straight and not get sick of it. It's just a musical masterpiece in my mind. But Jay, what were your top five? All right, let's see here. Where's my number five? Number five was too much. Oh, my um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed the horns. I enjoyed the way the, the vocals um, fit in the song. I thought it was tight. I thought it was clear. I, I like the way the guitars were panned out and the use of the stereo image. I like the drums, and it had a very syncopated beat to it. The pre-chorus was kind of different than stuff they've done on other stuff, and then um, it had use of percussion in it, so I like the percussion. Um, they're a very heavy per- percussion band, which is another thing where he may have gra- gravitated from South Africa, but I, I enjoyed that one as my number five. Um, number four, I have Say Goodbye. It, you know, again, different instruments. You used the, there was a use of a flute in there, congas, and other percussion. I did enjoy the space and the feel of the song as far as the production goes. It was fairly sparse. It did have a, a long intro, but I liked the drum fills in the song. They were, you know, all the fills in the song fit the song, but they were very, very fast, very complicated fills for the song. So I enjoyed that. Um, my number three was Trippin' Billy Goats. I thought it was a a big sound. I liked the horns. I liked the drum fills. It had a really good f- feel to it, and it added the, the fiddle in that song. You know, Nashville fiddle, not violin. Um, number two, Crash Into Me. Uh, I liked the drumming. I thought it was clear, tight. I liked the vocals. I liked the emotion in the song, and it had really big tom sounds to that song. So I, I enjoyed the, the production choice there. And then number one, folks, was the opening song, So Much to Say. Again, there's a reason why it's the opening song. Again, clear, tight. The production was cool. It had um, great musicianship on that song. 
for them to be able to play that song with the key, key signature changes and everything and, and stay tight and keep it going, I thought was really cool. And, I mean, there's other songs on there I thought were good, but I think the difference between this band and our other two albums for the night is that this one was a very, very tight and very polished album. And I thought the other, The Devil Makes Three, I thought that was the exact opposite. And then I thought Maddie McCree was right in the middle. So, I mean, I think we, as far as albums go tonight, I think production-wise, we've got a, a perfect representation of, of all three you know, options. All right. And actually, I, okay, I still can't find out what the fuck Billy's means. This is not bother me for weeks. <laughs> but um, I should have thought I'm going to say that I want to. But apparently, this album is seven times platinum, and it sold, and in two, even in 2000, it sold seven million copies by that point. And it's still his best selling album to this day. So, says something about the album at least. And it got to number two in the Billboard 200 on the weekly chart it came out. So, and yeah, it's like a song, Summer of Boys. There's so much production that it makes a song that a vibe. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I like it. I love it. And Chancey, what were your top five? I'm dying here. <laughs> uh, so, ironically enough, as I was sitting here looking at my top five, I realized I could actually make this all flow into a single sentence and have it just be completely fucked up. So, prepare yourselves. Number five was 41 or number 41, which is the number of times I thought about suck starting a 12-gauge while I was listening to this fucking thing. And then number four was Lie in Our Graves, which cause and effect, how you doing? Uh, number three was Too Much, because I realized now number two is I've got so much to say. And then uh, number one, you know, Crash Into Me is only famous because of the Arby's guy. I don't give a fuck about what anybody else says. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that song got famous for the Arby's thing was even a thing. So. Maybe it's possible, but I'm still sticking to my guns. I don't know. The, <laughs> I don't know. The, the internet was really a thing like that in '96. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here and I was like, "Oh, that's gonna be that's fucked up." I'm going with it. I'm fucking going with it. It's good. It even works, dude. Because that's my top five in order, five to one. That's funny. Oh shit, we're never getting monetized. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, no. If freaking so many other people have gotten monetized that are way worse than us, so come on now. I, I think a couple of the got the, the meaning of Billy. Oh, apparently, I that's what that is. I didn't know what the fuck they were trying to that's, okay. Well, it's Billy spelled with IE, but uh, Billy is a condom, apparently. Oh, so you're okay, kicking, kicking condoms. Okay, that sounds like a way to get certain stuff over your shoes, but okay. You'd be tripping, 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 tripping condoms, not, not kicking them. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, so did, huh? So then, like, did they, is like, is that liquid LSD they put in that motherfucker? That's scary. That just sounds like bad fucking news. That just sounds like a bad day. I mean, are they playing jump rope with them and then tripping over them? Like, what the fuck? Uh, something. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm sticking with goats. Unknown. I was gonna say hillbillies, but yeah, I'll stick with goats too, man. Tripping trip hillbillies, yeah, hillbillies. I like that one actually. <laughs> I'm sticking with that one. <laughs> tripping hillbillies. So okay, so they went. They went to a Devil Makes Three concert and they're tripping the fans there. So, hey man, 
That'd be fucking all right. <laughs> That's when I have a mosh pit. But do you well, guys ever hear of Mike Erico? I don't think that I have. Can't say I have. He's a singer-songwriter out of New York. Kind of when you're talking about your Devil Makes Three, you just remind me of him. And you were talking earlier about hiking up your skirt and that lyric line in there. Mike Erico has a a song called Daylight, and it's got the best second verse of a song ever. So if you get it, get a chance, just you know, YouTube up Mike Erico um, Daylight and listen to to the lyrics in the second verse. Of that it's just amazing. All right. Challenge accepted. And actually, oh yeah, and and the Crash album was actually recorded in Bearsville, New York, which is right by Woodstock, New York, which is right where I grew up, kind of, and have family. So I I actually know that town very well. That's interesting to me. That was I wonder if my dad actually I don't know. My dad my dad was in bands, local bands. So I wonder if he actually knew that and that's what got him into it or something. But I don't know. I've, that's why Dave Matthews. Oh yeah, I yeah I yeah I had fa- my dad's aunt lived in Woodstock, so I've been embarrassed by multiple times in my life. My but... family's from Albany, upstate. Oh, okay, um, but I went to Woodstock. I had a a couple guitars made it in from a luthier in in Woodstock. Oh, is it who I'm thinking of that was also a musician? It was Michael Tobias. Oh, he's maybe the not. most the he was an incredible bass player. Or, Base manufacturer, luthier, whatever you like to call. Him. Okay, but he made me an electric and an acoustic bass. He's just amazing. Oh, okay, I'm sure my I'm sure if my dad was alive still, he would know the name. I know that for a fact. But no, there was a famous artist out of Woodstock that my dad actually went up to his like home's uh, amphitheater and like listened to him play a couple times. He passed away back in the 2010s. I forget his name. I can't. I can never think of his name, but then when I see like someone with a random sh- with a shirt with his name on it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know who that guy is. But it's I can never think of his name when I'm trying to. It pisses me off always. But he, a lot of people know him. He's a famous classic rock musician. I can't think of his fucking name though. I never can. So Jay, why don't you tell us about your podcast a little and what it is, and then just tell people where they can find you. Sure. Um, the Jay Franzi Show, and it's a podcast where we take a deep dive into the entertainment industry. I bring on people who work in the music business and TV, film, and we just talk about this, what goes on behind the scenes, so how they get started in their career, what it's really like. We had a rock band on that talked about the truth behind having a record deal. We had a lady on who discussed that she, I asked her what it was like to win, on, win an Emmy, and she actually says, I can also tell you what it's like to lose one. So she told me the, the stories about winning and losing Emmys. So it's just a deep dive, long, you know, hour-long conversations with people who work in the entertainment industry. It's really fun, a lot of interesting stories. i uh, love to have anybody stop by and check it out. You can visit me over at jfranzi.com. I'm sure lately you guys have been talking a lot about the strike going on. Well, we're not allowed to talk about the strike. Oh, it's really? It's funny. depends on who comes on the show, but, yeah, like, people aren't allowed to talk about they're not allowed to promote any project they have going on. They can talk about their career, you know, how they get started. They can tell the stories of what it was like on things they've done in the past, but they can't promote anything they have coming out. Oh yeah. NDAs and all that, I'm sure. But well, it's the strike. If, if it wasn't for the strike, they'd, they'd be able to, but because of the strike, they're not allowed to, it's against the union. Uh, well, makes sense. I mean, 
we have someone coming on this show that we actually, I actually had to sign a SAG Afra waiver for her to come on. So she's a comedian and I had to sign all these freaking papers and basically felt like I'll sign my soul away to get her to come on. But I, <laughs> I went through it. That's actually, and for all our listeners, that's eventually going to be our uh, first ever comedy album episode. But which that's we start, we already picked our, we already picked, we already picked our albums for it because she picked her own album and me and Chancey picked our albums for it. But you'll find out more about that when it comes around finally because I'm still waiting for her to get back to me to reschedule. So, so Chancey, where can they find you after all this time since this, the big C didn't take you down? I, uh, I mean, I'm in the same old places, you know, Facebook under my name. Good luck finding me. This is the only, only hint you're going to get, uh, on, uh, <laughs> On Instagram and TikTok, it's uh, the Red Eye Roundtable, and on uh, X, it is uh, Red Eye Pod, and then of course here in this glorious little void. talking head box, rectangle. We call it the void. We call it the void. But you can also find both of us on Facebook as Unapologetic, Untamed, and Uncensored YouCubed Podcast Collective Facebook group where this is live streaming every Tuesday and any specials we do. And you can find us on Twitter and the gram as that juggalo bastard. And you can find us on Tiki Talkie as that juggalo bastard podcast. And you could find us on YouTube as maniacal music musings to see past episodes, or you can find us streaming live on blind knowledge network on YouTube because all knowledge was blind until Chancey realizes that crash is a good album. So everything's still blind. Good luck fuckers. <laughs> And we will be back next Tuesday with another regularly scheduled episode with a, with a voice you may recognize because next week we are getting Malachi. Malachi! One of our most famous bracket regulars. So come on back and check it out. And folks, the first part of the Rolling Stone bracket, but that's right, the top 500 Rolling Stone songs are getting broken down one, bra- one bracket at a time for 25 months. And the first part's coming up October 19th live. So come check out our panel and see. And these aren't even the best songs yet. So you got, they're good. They're all good songs. Don't get, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure all 500 of them are pretty damn good songs. I mean, maybe not to me, but to people. But we'll see. We'll see which ones make it to the grand finale where the first and second place winners of all 25 parts will be facing each other for the grand tournament. And remember, we're Rolling Stone because fuck Rolling Stone. And also coming up this month, hopefully, the Iggy Pop and the Stooges artist bracket will be returning, coming back this month, hopefully, so we can move on to a different artist in October. So working on scheduling that soon. And until next time, we've been your musers. And remember, just because you like something doesn't mean everybody else is going to like it. Learn from Chancey's mistakes. Have a good one.